Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. If you walk into my house, one of the first things that you'll see is this rack of sneakers. Running shoes, to be specific. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Running is a big part of my life. And this collection of well-worn, sometimes muddy shoes, they are my tools. Now, I'm not actively running in a lot of these shoes anymore, but I have a hard time letting go of some of my favorite old pairs. Oh my gosh. So this pair I did my longest run ever in. I think it was 42 miles. I'm a person who likes sneakers, but I am not, as I learned in today's episode, a sneakerhead. Top three shoes that I own, I'll have to go with the Union Nike Dunks, the Patent Wham Ones, and the Syracuse Nike Dunk Highs. That's Joseph Marin. He's a senior at John Henry High School in Richmond, California. For him and other sneakerheads, shoes are about fashion culture, status, being a part of something bigger. I think it says a lot about the person's character. If you ever see a, like a grandpa in sneakers, like you'd be surprised and then obviously I'd compliment him. And sneaker culture has exploded in popularity around the world in recent years. In 2020, it was a $79 billion market globally. This hobby is big business, in part because for collectors, it can be kind of addicting. I own around between 70 and 80. Today on Bay Curious, we're taking a closer look at sneaker culture with the students at John Henry High School in Richmond, California, how it works and why it matters. Then we'll turn to the topic of social media influencers and what their lives are really like. This episode is part of KQED's Youth Takeover, a week when the voices and reporting of young people take over our airwaves. I'm Olivia Allen-Price, and this is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. 
They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Whenever I see someone on the street wearing a pair of gleaming white sneakers that look pristine, like they've never been worn before, I wonder to myself, how do they keep them so clean? Luckily for me, a local student is here to show me the ropes. My name is Arlene Villagres. I'm a senior at John Henry High School. I live in Richmond, California. Arlene let me tag along as she dove into the sneakerhead world with some of her classmates. Just a little soap and water will usually get the job done. Something like a stiff brush to scrub the soles out. My name is Joseph Moran. I live here in Richmond locally, and I'm a reseller business when it comes to sneakers. We talked with two students who love sneakers, Joseph Marin and Kevin Cervantes. Arlene started by asking Kevin some of the basics. So in your opinion, what's a sneakerhead? Sneakerhead is someone who collects sneakers and someone who keeps up with release dates, sneaker information, goes to like in-store raffles. Kevin is a sneakerhead. He says he spends 75% of his time obsessing about the hottest new shoes. My dream shoe is probably the Dior Ones, which released, I think, last year during during quarantine. And retail was around like $7,000. And retail was around $20,000. $20,000. I was not kidding when I said these shoes were big business. Now, that's just Kevin dreaming. He is still in high school, so he doesn't have that kind of money yet. He pays for his shoes with money from his weekend job. So what attracts you to a pair of shoes? What attracts me to a pair of shoes is the colorway. The colorway has to be one of them. Colorway. Sneakerhead culture has its own vernacular. Colorway is pretty basic. It's the colors used on the shoe. Kevin told us his favorites. Black and white has to be one of them. And then red. Just like the main colors on like red, orange, blue, and like a cream. Yeah, I'm into neutral colors right now. So do you think of sneakers as art? Sometimes I do, just because I have a couple sneakers that I purchase, but I don't wear them just because I like to look at them in my room. Just knowing that I have it, I just put it up and then just look at it and I think of it as art. Of the 70 or 80 pairs of sneakers that Kevin owns, he only wears a few of them regularly. The others are for special occasions or just to collect. I have a shelf. It's a shelf that's from the bottom to the ceiling of my room. There's like rows, and then you just put the shoes, and whenever like you walk in my room, you just see like the back of the shoes. He even forgets about some of the pairs he owns. They're stored safely under his bed, out of sight, and when he cleans his room, he'll stumble upon them again. It's almost like seeing them for the first time. When I take it out, I like to smell it, because especially for sneakerheads, whenever you buy a new pair of shoes, it has its own like unique smell. And I just, I just like the feeling of it, too, because the quality is amazing. Just like someone might collect baseball cards, bottles of wine, or vinyl records, sneakerheads find a sheer joy in admiring something they think is beautiful or valuable. For Joseph Marin, the John Henry High senior with his own sneaker resale business, there's just as much thrill in reading the hype machine, aka the market, just right, so he can buy shoes at retail prices, 
and sell them when the price has gone up. It was 2015. I camped out for my first Jordan 9 Pantones. And I noticed that a lot of people were highly demanded for the shoe. So I decided, why not make some profit off the shoe and resell it to make a little bit more money? Joseph says vintage sneakers are in right now. Usually retro shoes are the best shoes to invest in because they're highly demanded for supposed to new colorways. If it connects back to the original colorways that came out back in the days. Talking to Kevin and Joseph, it's clear that sneakers are a mode of self-expression. They each collect certain brands and styles. But I didn't really understand at first why certain sneakers get so popular. Like, what is it about this specific shoe? Kevin explained. Whenever someone famous, like, let's say, like, the Kardashians or Kanye West or, like, just big influencers wear shoes, it makes, like, the hype for the shoe go up and then everybody else wants the shoe as well. Influencers. A lot of tastemakers in the sneaker world have huge online followings. People looking to them for inspiration, advice, to see what's cool. Influencers have always been around. Maybe it was the girl in high school who people looked to for fashion ideas, or the elite athlete whose training you wanted to copy. In a 2019 tweet, Pope Francis even called Mary, mother of Jesus, an influencer of her day. What has changed is how big these influencers can get online and how quickly their message can spread. That's what we're going to talk about next. Senior Victor Rodriguez has been thinking a lot about the life of Internet influencers, people with big followings on platforms like TikTok, YouTube and Instagram, and their impact on him. Since I saw that, like, a lot of people on TikTok were, like, having middle parts that I decided, like, I'm going to try it out and see how it works. And uh, now I only do my hairstyle like that. Victor says influencers have a lot of power. If he's changing his hairstyle because of what's popular on TikTok, what else are they influencing? When I was, like, fifth grade, I watched these uh, group called Phase Clan. They all moved into a house together. And they all just make videos and just uh, play video games for a living. Wow, what? I know that the lightning was there, but like it actually didn't. And when I was a little kid, I wanted to do that so bad. And I was just like, I'm going to start making YouTube videos for a little bit and see how that goes. But it never went off. So (laughs) my dreams were demolished. Now Victor sees kids his age or younger with huge followings on TikTok, millions of views on silly videos making fun of teachers. I hate these kids. Do me a favor. Bring all your devices to my desk, please. I'm sorry. Or doing little skits. Here in the Army, it's not just about protecting the country. It's also about protecting the ones we love and care about. Coors Light Beer. Wait, what beer? What does that have to do with the Army? During quarantine, everyone was just on TikTok and everyone was making videos trying to become popular. He thought back to his own attempts to become internet famous and kind of wish he'd stuck with it. But he also wondered how high school students balance it all. He reached out to some influencers he likes on TikTok to see if becoming famous had affected their schoolwork. I think that what surprised me most was that they're all doing good in school. I thought that they're would fall back in school because they they saw that I'm getting two million. So I'm going to just drop everything and just pursue that. But surprisingly, none of them has fallen back on their work or anything. 
Victor was also curious about their mental health. He's seen how mean people can be in the comment section. They're young. They're like 17, 16. I thought that like people are just going to be bullying them in the comments, saying that they, they aren't funny. Surprisingly, no. People, people are nice in the comments. I think it's just that their TikToks were good ideas. Ultimately, Victor came away from his interviews impressed with the amount of work it takes to be a successful influencer. These teens were dedicated and organized. It takes a ton of work to produce a funny TikTok video every single day. But he also noticed that these influencers, they had backup plans. It's not worth just dropping everything and just pursuing that for a living because you don't know when everything is just going to, your trend is going to stop. He now knows that being an influencer is not the fun, chill job that he might have imagined. You got to be determined to do it because there's going to be ups and downs in it. And it's not just a straight line for you. It's just There's going to be crossy roads and stuff like that for you. Wise words, Victor. What in life is ever as easy as it looks? Special thanks this week to Arlene, Kevin, Joseph, and Victor for their research, reporting, and collaboration. Also, thanks to their teacher at John Henry High School, Ken Cusacte. It was so fun to work with you all. Thanks to KQED's Amanda Vigil, Emiliano Villa, Jessica Placek, and Kiana Mogadam for helping make this episode possible. If you want to hear more stories made by young people from across the Bay Area, visit kqed.org slash youth takeover. Bay Curious is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mino Buccelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Our show is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. I'll see you next week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.